Hey fellow forest school leaders, we know that when you're out there leading your sessions, things can get a bit messy and that's part of the beauty of it. But when it comes to your online presence and your branding, it's better to keep things neat and tidy. That's why we're introducing Fiverr, the one-stop destination for all your professional needs. You need a logo that reflects the spirit of your forest school, a website that's inviting as in your outdoor sessions, or maybe you're looking for someone to take care of all those nitty gritty admin tasks, leaving you with more time to connect with nature and your students. At Fiverr, they've got a talented community of freelancers ready to bring your vision to life. Whether it's graphic design, web development, or any other skill you can imagine, their experts are there to make your forest school branding stand out. Forest school can be messy, but your company branding shouldn't be. Head to Fiverr, that's F-I-V-E-R-R dot theforestschoolpodcast.com to get started today. I'm Wem. And I'm Lewis. This is the Forest School Podcast. Let's go! Okay, well, uh, last episode, uh, last episode, we were talking about um, basically loose parts, weren't we? Sure. Right, and we're going to talk about more that more uh-huh. today. Um, but so I've just got a little fact about the guy who um, came up, you know, oh, loose parts. Okay. That's all. Gotcha. That's all. So I'll save that for in a minute save because that. we had a little, we had a little um, contemporary issue. Do 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 Contemporary issue of the day on the first school podcast. In a podcast that will last forever and will be irrelevant very soon. This is the thing, and also very UK centric. So sure. sorry if you live somewhere else. But do you know what? It's relevant. It's definitely going to be relevant oh. because history doesn't repeat, but it does rhyme and all those things. Things that happen in Literally one country. Literally, never heard that saying you know, before in my life. That's before. History doesn't repeat, but it does rhyme. Yeah. I like it. Yeah, yeah. Never heard it. It might be relevant yeah. to people. We're um talking about. I don't know if it has a, an official name. The attendance campaign. Okay. School attendance. Um, well, you said you you saw something. Can you just talk uh, about that? So I first? found a little. I have a little uh, place where I keep little 
news stories where I'm like, oh, that's not a whole episode, but it is a little juicy nugget maybe to chat about. Um, and I found one that said um, two, like 70% of families who were polled by YouGov said they thought that the pandemic showed that it was okay for children not to go to school five days a week. Um, mm. And then I dug into it a bit more and it drifted quite hard into some things about attendance and um, actually it wasn't super relevant anymore to us. But then that led you to say, oh, well, we should talk about the attendance campaign. Um, yes. It's going on at the moment. Yes, exactly. Um, so if you're not aware of it, there's government have come up with this like their series of posters basically and there's like a photograph of a child and then there's like a little quote in the top you know on it that says this morning he had a stomach ache but look at him now moments matter attendance counts and then it's got the little nhs logo and hm government the little logo uh this morning she was worried about school but look at her now and then it's a child all laughing and smiling and joyful um and uh this these post these adverts have really upset a lot of people who are saying that they're really ableist that they don't in any way investigate the issues why a lot of children are not attending school and especially um, issues that are being faced by children who have additional needs or need support which isn't being met and isn't being given and that is the reason that they cannot attend school at the moment and the government seems to focus on blaming the child blaming the families that um you know it's you need to force them to come to school basically and there's like story after story of families saying that schools are telling them this you know you just need to bring them in kicking and screaming and we'll take it from there um completely ignoring the fact that lots of these children are experiencing trauma basically about being at school because their needs just aren't being met and the environment isn't right for them um and it's really interesting isn't it that whole thing about attendance since covid Mm. that um something like a quarter of teenagers at the moment are considered to be non-attending school on a regular basis um which is huge and the reasons for that being obviously like really wide-ranging from families and and children being more sensitive to gen like you know illness like coughs and colds and going oh it might be covid so i won't send them in or you know just being uh, like a heightened awareness of that of of health um but also so many families having had their child at home during lockdown and gone ah this is where it actually all comes out this is where when the child has been away from school they go i just don't want to go back there it was really really hard for me to be there and now i've had some time away actually I, i just cannot go back um and also worries from the child about you know having been off and then having having to go back and yeah um and, and it, feeling really different and alien and also not just there's not just the social and emotional stuff going on there is also you know we're in the middle of financial turmoil for a lot of families and so access to like you know if you're not able to fund your bus journey to school or potentially mm-hmm. like food is a challenge or um you know your your own working situation as a parent is means that you aren't able to get your child there or get your child re- and all these things that are yeah all these posters and the campaign in general is kind of like ignore that head down just do it do it now don't think exactly do it um yeah and also they're not really so the 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 flip side of all of these statements being but look at them now Mm. as a, and they're all look these are pictures of smiling children but yeah i would throw the word masking in there pretty hard even if oh, these yeah. were like you know i can remember as a child being sent to school and having like the most terrible time for, for maybe days at a time but in any particular moment you might have been able to go like oh look they're smiling and laughing with their friends like well yeah also none of these pictures are of people in classes they're laughing and yeah. joking in between lessons they're yeah. not happy sat in a classroom these are also one of these is yeah. this morning he had a runny nose but look at him now which is a clear like we've only just got out of a you know medical yeah. pandemic could we maybe like give ourselves a break for a second your <laughs> <laughs> kid's got a runny nose I know. maybe I know. take a take a moment to go we'll just see our 
you know, anyway. Yeah. That maybe that child is full of anxiety about the fact they've got a runny nose and that, you know, they've heard all of the stuff about like illness and how it can there be serious is, and all that. Would rest you like to know a tin, tin foil hat thing in relation yeah, to this? Sure. So sure. Um, I am plugged in, like, oh, I'll do some keyboard tapping. Plugged in to the home ed networks. Um, yeah. And as well as this campaign going on, there is also some consultancy going on about the legality of home education and yeah. um, this comes up every so often it doesn't com- it well it, it... here we go here we go you ready for your tinfoil unroll it i'm ready so I'm ready. um the options are like for this survey are like should be allowed in some circumstances um should be allowed at parents discretion should never be allowed or i don't know right and mm-hmm. uh people have been looking on and once you've done your thing it shows you where the polls are and um someone found almost exactly the same survey question from uh so there was already a bit of a thing where people were going loads of us home ed people have been answering and it it is not shifting one point the percentages on these results Mm. are not moving then someone i saw found almost an identical poll from five years ago with the same percentages like 37 percent 43 percent like and there's a tinfoil moment of like how much of this is theatre of like we asked people and here's mm. the results because uh, mm. it's interesting because i think it's one of those topics where if you, your child is not a school refuser or you're not a home ed or you're not, i mean school refuser is a loaded term right but um you know if your child has no problem attending school i'm not sure why you would have a particular interest in allowing or disallowing home ed it seems to be a like mm. you know yeah anyway. yeah it's not something that you're going to likely to be in your bonnet about <sighs> yeah i know it's weird isn't it i was just trying to look because i'm sure i've seen for these um going back to the government adverts i'm sure i've seen somewhere like you know a petition to you know get them taken out or to complain about it but um all i can find is a twitter handle for hashtag not a school skyver so maybe if you want more information about it, you could check that out. I'm not actually a Twitter user, so I don't know what it's like. But mm. um, yeah, but have a look. Um, I think, yeah, lots of people feeling frustrated and like the government is just clueless and it's not yeah. really... And it will affect lots of people, people doing forest school who do forest school in home ed scenarios or who do alternative provision or crew type stuff. Yeah. You know, it... it is relevant to us working in alternative education to have a pulse on these things of going, what's the current agenda? What's being pushed? Um, Indeed. But let's park all that for a moment. <laughs> Loose parts. Yeah. Looser parts, I think you decided to call it. Yeah. <laughs> looser parts. Looser, even looser. Even Get looser. your parts even looser. Dangerous so do you know that? So <laughs> the interesting um, fact I found. Okay, so I said last week I was going to name. I got the first name right. Oh, the yeah. person who, um, the word about a phrase, you know, coined the phrase coined "loose the phrase. parts." Okay. That's the word. Um, Simon Nicholson, artist and architect. What I didn't know was that he is the son of an artist, Ben Nicholson, who I've never heard of, and the sculptor Barbara Hepworth, who I think is amazing so that's very interesting i did not know that um and yes so this is the idea that young children's cultural participation comes from uh having access to open-ended loose part materials that can be transformed in different ways um and last time we talked about um what did we talk about we went through the um the playtimes and we discussed how they might be beneficial for each of those play types um i have a question though that's just come up from something you just said can you read that description of the term as it was coined again sure well this is from um this is from a website louisapenfold.com just because okay. i just put in simon nicholson this sort of came up first um uh, in 1972 simon nicholson presented the idea that young children's cultural participation comes from the presence of open-ended loose part materials that can be transformed in different ways. 
So yeah, his idea was about cultural participation. Which That's is interesting. Um, okay, so there's two parts in there. I do want to dig into the cultural participation thing because I think that is interesting. But yes, can I interrupt you? you One second to have. say a bit more. Okay, <laughs> sorry, I have, haven't I? It's bad. Sorry, but um, just to give a bit more context to that. His article was called The Theory of Loose Parts, an Important Principle for Design Methodology. This theory rejects the idea that creativity is characteristic of a select few. Oh, okay. Yeah. Nicholson claimed that people have been misled to think that creating artworks and buildings is so difficult that only highly gifted people can do it. In opposition to this, Nicholson argues that all people, including young children, are capable of participating in the construction of culture. The more flexibility a material or a space has, the more opportunities these variables have for children's creative experimentation. In any environment, both the degree of inventiveness, creativity and the possibility of discovery are directly proportional to the number and kind of variables in it, says Nicholson, 1972. Um, That's interesting. I was watching something yesterday about a sculptor who does what might be sort of people put their nose up as like, anyone could have done that. You know, it's, they piled nine buckets of sand in a gallery and pushed them over. And then where the sand lies, they're like, that's, that's the exhibit, mm. you know, or I think they just did that. One was like fireworks on an office chair and it span around. Um, huh. Yeah. But their whole point thesis, whatever you want to call it, the underpinning was like when people see fantastic works of art, like sculptures and things, they are so far removed from seeing the process of like raw block of marble, the rough hewing that one person had to do, the, the you know, all the poly, all these steps that they get convinced that this is something that they could not do mm. rather than seeing the work through. And it's almost a process product type thing. Um, and so that's interesting to think that loose parts is a way of making the process transparent um yeah i was wondering about thinking because you said about children accessing the world and i was thinking about you know that uh it's sort of a stereotype of like the the creative startup company and it's like this office Mm. space in uh america and they've got like bean bags and ping pong tables and all this stuff and a slide and a slide right but do you think you've ever been uh, that you would gen genuinely change a workspace if you had loose parts in it for everything if you had loose parts that you could use to explain your budget and you had like Mm. loose parts that you were like in the meeting room if you were going to explain where the clients were and how you were going to access them that you could dig into a box of lego and go they're here and we're going to build a channel this way and we're going to access the like Mm. there's something there about loose parts not just being increasing the creativity of children but as a lots of things in adult workspaces are single function they're the opposite of loose parts you're just making me think now you're making me think of how like yes I think it would definitely and people already do it so you know when you've been in a conversation with like either a colleague or a friend and they start using just whatever is around them to illustrate yeah. their point. They go, oh, oh, I've got this cup. Okay, this coffee cup is, imagine that's him. And I'm here. And, you know, and that we do that, which is quite a specific thing about, like, explaining, isn't it? But I was also thinking about forest school leader training and how often we invite our participants and to use loose parts in order to kind of process thinking or yeah. present learning. We do that so often and I've never really made the connection that that is still like loose parts play because it is, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. So we might ask them to kind of illustrate, you know, even if it's talking about like forest layers and things like that, like we're going to make a representation of, it's almost like creating a piece of art, isn't it? But it's, yeah. or like or storytelling and making a story map and using things and yeah. So I have I a question realized. for you then yeah. about um, variety of loose parts and mm. how important oh, yeah. do you we think how important do you think because we went through those play types and we went through like this one would really help with this and this is what typically helps with that but if you're talking about things like explaining or that creative thing of like processing some information um and you give people a task and say maybe could you make a small world thing or 
so, something about you know the, the children in a session are making small world let's say how important do you think it is that there are in terms of loose parts in the forest not just a big pile of wood cookies even if those are organic different sizes and shapes because we talked about that last time i won't go into it again mm. but the fact that when you when you're in a small world space you could use leaves or sticks or mud or something else or you know do you think that's super important to getting the creativity out or do you think that doesn't really make much difference do you mean having different choices of loose parts yeah that you might have multiple people doing small world say making a map of an area but where mm. some person used one person uses predominantly sticks and another person goes, well, I drew it in the mud. Well, I, uh, mm. you know, do you think that's important? Yeah. Or do you think you would get a similar result if you, because I guess the alternative is that kind of thing of like, we are all making small world. You need four, four sticks to do this. It's mm. still loose parts, mm. but it's potentially but, not the same way. But much more prescriptive. I think that we are naturally drawn towards different types of loose parts. And I think that might change through our life or depending on what mood we're in. But I think denying people access to parts that they might be drawn to and go like, you know, I'm going to put a constraint on this that it has to be. Like, it depends what you're doing, doesn't it? Like, that you Ooh, might play a game. Say like more I've... about the denying access to something because that unlocks some thoughts. Well, you, you know, the, the activity you just described was... Now, children, we are all going to make a small world thing and you need four sticks and blah, 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 blah. Like, that's quite prescriptive and that's not something that we would often do. And But then I was just thinking, I have seen um, people play quite fun games where you go, I've got a, a challenge for you. If you want to accept, like, how, you know, make a tall tower only using sticks that are this length or whatever. So it's like the constraint is part of the game. Mm-hmm. There's a point to it so that, like it can extend creativity because of the constraint Mm -hmm. because because I've only got this I'm only allowed to use this type of resource I now need to think more creatively about how I can use that thing so maybe I can put it vertically instead of horizontally or maybe I can prop it up against this thing and you know it encourages encourages the thing doesn't it yeah in that sort of lateral thinking what Um, about then times where because I think you could argue that there is a I'm not sure if it's a headspace or an age or a developmental stage at which uh, learners see everything as loose parts. And that can often be like a super challenging point because for all of the joys of like, oh my God, you've used that saucepan as a um, helmet. That's incredible. You know, I, I wouldn't have thought of doing that or you've brought this thing into this game. There's also the flip side of like, I have emptied the handbag because this is all loose parts <laughs> and I see the world is loose parts. Yeah. Dad's socks are loose parts. The, yeah. the cat's litter tray is loose parts. Um, yeah. Do you think that's a headspace that you get in and out of? Or do you think that's like a, a moment in time developmentally? That's really interesting. Yeah, I mean, you hear... <laughs> many stories of like parents going yeah I used to have a really beautiful pair of earrings but um now one of them is buried in the garden or like wedged in a tiny crack in the wall <laughs> or because like, you know, their three-year-old just been like yep I yep. need that this is my I'm gonna project. go I've, I've just realized what I need I need to go and get it um yes ah. um I'm trying because, to think about like how that... we might have seen that at forest school and whether yeah some people that's really interesting, isn't it? That there's like almost a an unspoken agreement between us all that we understand that these are loose parts and these aren't. These are a separate thing. Like these are tools or something. I think sometimes we do have we, that. We, we do move have... in the grey areas there, I think, because sometimes there are times where like you might be, someone might be doing something with a spade, let's say, and one adult, whether that's a parent or a leader, might go, oh don't do that that's that's for digging because their mindset is that this is a thing for digging it serves a function and then you might have another adult leader parent involved going well it's all right isn't it they're not they're not breaking it they're not you know that's Mm. they're just doing the thing and so um 
yeah, it's it's an interesting grey area that I think some people don't necessarily acknowledge that the learning is in the in that grey that how much learning goes into that grey area of developing and facilitating play in a way that like as a leader I think one of the things that makes you feel very safe is when you know a group knows which parts of the environment are loose and which parts are like fixed <laughs> well I was thinking that and then because I was thinking about you know in our woods it might be right now there are loads of Christmas trees to play with and that's big loose parts and it's amazing at other times of the year it's been like that's actually the loose part that's clearly defining the path. So that's not loose parts for you. And so, but yeah. you feel much more secure when you know the group, I think, when I know the group knows trees that are on the, you know, sticks that are on there, they're fine for den building, sticks that are over here, that's our bug hotel. And learning yeah. that yeah. The, the difference between those things. Yeah, and that's part of the relationship with the environment, isn't it? That we've we have historically found that very difficult when we have participants um who come and visit our site once and they know that they could never come back like a birthday party or a school trip or whatever that trying that they that already they interact with it in a way that is whoa everything's fair game use everything and everything is loose parts like so they arrive with that um sort of approach to the environment already and then also it's more difficult to explain from us to them when we're trying to explain why that isn't actually accessible right now but this is because they don't have that long-term relationship they haven't seen for example the bluebells in the spring and therefore understand why the wall of christmas trees is in this place right now to stop us trampling the bulbs of the bluebells that you can't even see or oh do you remember i told you about the toddler group who built that the other day and therefore that's why we're not going to like dismantle it right now um so i think that goes and that's a, that's a really valid point to make because somebody might be listening to this podcast or somebody might have like investigated the theory of loose parts and gone oh brilliant i'm going to bring this idea to this yeah like one off event that I'm going to do on a school field and I'm going to bring all this stuff with me or whatever, because we have, what we haven't talked about is the kind of flip side, the challenges of loose parts in terms of like managing them, where they end up, how, you know, Mm. you're like, I have definitely collected loads of pine cones, collected loads of sticks and brought them to a school field. It sounds insane. You feel insane when you're doing it. You're like, what that, what is my job? Like I'm literally yeah. collecting sticks yeah, and I'm putting them in my van and then I'm going to put them on another bit of grass so that kids can play with them. What is this world? This is mental. Um, so, and they're all gone in 10 minutes. They exactly, are that's the, the thing. Field. And especially so if it's a one-off event and you're like, well, that's, you know, I've got no relationship with these kids. They've got no relationship with this place, all the loose parts. And so, yeah, they might have had an amazing time that session and it may have inspired them to do all kinds of things when you they're away from you and that place and which is great so it's not to say don't do it it's a waste of time it's just that the expectations of the group are going to be different and you your expectations therefore need to be different how do you think your relationship with there's some there's some parts here and i want to pull them together so we talked last time about what are the key components of loose parts being an abundance like there is mm. lots of the thing um and choice of how you use those things and so and so and then i think the third thing that i want to bro- bring in is like tidying or re- resetting mm. so what do you think because i think my journey with those three things has definitely been one that I'm, I'm probably still on. Um, I think some people would have very strong views about tidying up is part of the playing, you know, tidying mm-hmm. up at the end of the session, getting pine cones is a bad example, but let's say like, and it goes more so if you've spent money on those wood cookies from, uh, you know, you've, you've dropped 40 quid, let's say on some nice beech wood cookies, and then that lovely soft yellow um, colour and you're like, okay, that has a financial implication and therefore tidying up has to be part of this loose parts play because uh, I don't, I can't facilitate it over and over again. You know, like 
it's then a different game if you come the following time and it's like are though all those wood cookies there yeah they are they're spread out over the whole site do you want to collect them no i didn't really want to do collecting that's not the schema that i'm in i wanted to do like just transaction money i wanted to just do that bit um where do you think you are right now in terms of that idea of resetting loose parts do you think that's like super important and your job right there's so much in there okay. and my brain is like little fireworks everywhere I flipping loves this so much okay so the first thing that's wrong to mind when you were saying that is i was like this reminds me of something what is it okay it's the end of evelyn shuri playwork by bob hughes yep. the mighty tome the mighty tome um oh. which has oh, kneel before it as it glows and shines um at the end he writes some particularly on purpose uh, provocative questions to think about sure. and one of them is um which i always want to talk about uh how do you ma- it's something i'm get, getting the wording paraphrasing wrong. paraphrasing how do you marry uh a fe- the feeling that you want children to help tidy the play space own the play space have respect for the play space with a play worker's approach should be to facilitate self-directed, intrinsically motivated, free choice mm-hmm. play. How do you marry those things? And uh, again, you could you could load more in there in terms of which we've talked about before. Like our role as educators or adults working with children is to try to instill some values that are like about sustainability or about respect for the environment and respect for stuff and respect for our time and all of those things that you know we have this kind of moral. Yeah, it's the moral compass stuff, isn't it? About yeah. like it's our job to be guides around that kind of world rather than just being really um um what's the word, you know, lax um permissive. Permissive, that's the word. Um yeah, so that sprung to mind. Okay. And I could I could talk about that all day, like that'd be a whole like podcast that's episode. A whole um yeah, I would say that again, you know how we talk about when we know a group and we know them really well then we feel able and we have the relationship with them that can stand this approach which is that we are able to talk about ourselves and our own needs and i Mm -hmm. say that i would think that we are there with all of our groups at the moment where for example i have harvested like this is a real example i have collected loads of hazelnuts and or acorns and the reason i've done that is so because i'd really like to play this particular game um, where we're going to pretend to be jays and we're going to go and hide the hazelnuts. Mm-hmm. Obviously, they're like brown. They're really they're really hard to see. That's part of the game. Um, it's part of the game, and I'd really like to be able to play this game again tomorrow. So, the part of the game is that we might forget where we've put some, and that's absolutely fine. Like no pressure. But I would really love at the end when we finish playing with them if they could all go back in this basket. I'd be so appreciative if that could happen. Um, because it took me ages to find them all or something like that. Like yeah. I feel comfortable that I can express that and I can go, here are your need here are your potential needs for playing with them. So I'm gonna like address those and go, they're clearly really fun to play with. Yeah. We are gonna play with them in this way or whatever. I would love them back at the end. And I think there's quite a few times where I've done that where I might have brought something from home and gone, Yes, we can use these or whatever in whatever way you want, but please can we have them back? Yeah. Um in terms of like, I think there's got to be, we want like a variety of loose parts. I think there have to be some loose parts that you care less about. I think if every single loose part you bring or you sort of enable, if every single time you and you bring some new loose part or you would draw attention to some new loose part, you're saying, and the caveat is that you always have to put this all back or you have to make sure that they're only used in this area or you have to make sure that they're only used in this way. Every, if you do that every single time, I think that just like kills the joy. I think there's got to be enough variety and enough abundance of some loose parts that are allowed to go anywhere mm. that you do. Like, like, for example, our pots and pans from the mud kitchen. Like we yeah. allow those to go anywhere. We check them to make sure they're not falling apart so there's not like bits and pieces all over the place and then you and I will kind of 
view it and go do those need to be reset for the next session or are they actually okay to stay at the, the hill right now because now. Now exactly 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 yeah. yes and it's one of those things that you know because sometimes we look at the woods after a session or the beginning of a new one and go oh my god like arriving here as a new group and seeing like all the tops over there and all the pans over there looks like bum and sticks and it looks mm. really unappealing and looks like we don't care so we will reset bum and stick everything. shirt available on the podcast store <laughs> by yourself <laughs> Exactly. Um, and sometimes we go, no, actually, I'm going to leave that there to see how the group interacts with it as a springboard, mm-hmm. as you say. So I think it it depends. Yeah. In short, it depends. Um, yeah. Does that make sense? How do you think you, how, how do you feel about those think, parts? Are um, there things that like give you the slight heebie-jeebies and uh, things? Well, I think my relationship with like resetting loose parts uh, is, like you say, dependent on what the loose part is, how available it is to become a different springboard in a different place, and also how um, like uh, replaceable, but not necessarily in a financial sense, because sometimes a bucket of pine cones is replaceable not in from a financial sense but from a the time that i put into that is not super you know great um so conkers on the other hand oh well that's because we don't have horse chestnut trees in our woods so they are a different resource um and i think this is touching on like we said we did a whole episode uh, a little while ago about you know conditional gifts and how things are presented to a group um I think there is something when you have a loose part do you think there is more so than with other tools an idea that those things have less ownership i'm struggling to get to the words but like if i give someone a hammer because they're like i want to do some hammers and nails i don't think they in any way would turn around and go great my hammer now i am free to do with what the hammer the hammer Whatever I now choose, I could take this hammer home. I could decorate the hammer. I could put the ha- I could put googly eyes on it and go, "Hello, Mrs. Hammer, would you like to come for tea?" Um, but things that we would define as loose parts, inherently, there's something about them being more transferable and like mine, mine now, um, which speaks to that like foraging, high collecting. I've got all the chestnuts, but also there's a like unspoken expectation of like you give a you hand someone a hand you know recently we've been using pine cones as money if i gave someone five pine cones as money i would not in any way expect and i think it would be weird if you went around at the end of it all the money i gave you could you make sure it came back in because in that play world in that play cycle the way that you play with loose parts is transferring ownership a lot of the time in a way that you don't necessarily do that with tarps or balls or costumes. Do you know what I mean? I wonder if I something do, I about do. transferring it's... ownership is a key part to this loose parts puzzle. Yeah, and also that thing about um, about taking things home. And, like, there's so much learning, isn't there, in terms of, like, like the chat we were just having about, or that loose part is available and that one that looks the same but it's performing a function right now isn't available and you've Mm -hmm. got to learn the nuances I think it's similar with loose parts that there's so much unspoken stuff about that it's so nuanced about this is the type of loose part that lives here all the time but this is a loose part that I can take like sticks Mm -hmm. so you'll get kids going can I can I like take this stick home yeah and it's almost like I'm sure different forest schools have like different policies that they've maybe written down yeah. about these. It's like, and how big your site is and how often it's used and stuff. That if you, I'm sure some people have got a policy about like, no, we don't even let kids take sticks home because if we let every kid who wanted to take a stick home take a stick home, we would literally have no sticks. Yeah. Um, uh, and various other reasons. That's whereas, not wrong. That's just a choice you have to make yeah. depending on your thing. That's, Absolutely. That, you know. Absolutely right. Yeah. And that kids will ask that question quite often Mm. and sometimes you know when you're like you hear a question sometimes you think 
I'm kind of slightly surprised that they've asked that because I would maybe with my that I yeah I take it as given that of course you can take the home because you've like made it or you've spent right. time okay. you know but then other times like it isn't obvious to it isn't obvious to them is what I'm trying to say like yeah. do do you agree there are sometimes that kids ask you a question and and the answer is actually well, no actually because I need to that belongs to the woods and we need to be able to use it again and then sometimes the answer is well yeah of course like that's yours now um and that those lines that we might consider to be obvious as an adult often aren't obvious to a child mm. which is an interesting thing um i was also as you were talking there thinking about um the vibe of the value or the preciousness of the object and i was thinking about things like cushions and blankets which are okay. a, a loose part that i'm really interested in because it's one of those things that if you were setting up a forest school, you would never think, oh, and of yeah, course, yeah. I need 20 cushions and 15 blankets, of course. Yeah. Not for any reason, not for like first aid reasons or welfare reasons. We need these to be able to play with. But blimmin' hell, they're some of the most often used and requested loose parts that we have amongst certain people. Um, and I was thinking about there's something about the fact that those items are very cheap or we got them for free. Like okay. the blankets were donated to us, or they were just super cheap. The cushions, similarly, like big they came from like blankets, aren't they? For for people that are trying to imagine the type of blankets we've got, it's like the ones you would give to a newborn because they can't. Or like they're they're um, crocheted um, crocheted granny granny squares. granny square blankets. Yeah. Which um, yeah, and the cushions are like old sofa cushions that people have donated or they're like super cheap from the sale in Ikea or whatever. And I was just thinking about if they were more precious, if we decided we need cushions for the benches for some people who would be uncomfortable and we're going to spend some money then and we want them to stay nice. And so, yes, you, you know, something about the vibe with which you hand something over or the, do they have to ask for it, or is it in a place where they can get to it themselves? Like, what has a barrier yeah. to access? And not just the, a barrier, but the vibe with which you hand it over, even in your body language, even if you don't say anything, even yeah. if it's like, yes, you can mm -hmm. have some cushions for your den, but Bluminella, I hope you don't track mud all over it. Yeah. Or like, literally, Wagging a cushion across the... <laughs> don't care do whatever the heck you want with it put it up a tree paint it with mud like that that vibe i think changes the play and I'm not, i don't always actually mean that it's um that it changes the play for the better if you're really casual about it i think also there is value in like yes we're allowed to play with these things but they're quite special and therefore do you know what I mean? Like, I I'm not saying that it's always good, but I do think that there should definitely be some things which you don't care about I very think much. Just, I, and it's just occurred to me as well, you're saying about the vibe with which you give them, the vibe in which ways are stored and the unspoken. So, so we talked about loose parts and a key component to them being loose parts is that they are, uh, I was going to say malleable. That's not the word that I mean. Um, Open-ended. Uh, uh, no, no, no. Um, you know, with wood cookies, for example, you can stack them, you can press them into mud, you can... Yeah, like, I'd call that open-ended. I'd okay. call that open-ended. But what I mean is that yeah, they're available to be used in a mixed-media way. The, yeah. the plastic pizza from a plastic pizza set is not to be used with the hammers and nails, whereas wood cookies, pine cones can move around these spaces. But, and here's an interesting thought, if you're this is part of maybe my issues one of my issues with like tough trays and beautiful looking settings that are like here how we've set things up for play and i agree with the idea that you need to be able to see the resources and all these things however if i know hypothetically i'm, I'm pretending i'm four now right mm. if i know that at the end of the session i will be asked to tidy things away mm. and i know that the um, chestnuts go into a wicker basket I now don't think I'm as inclined to get those chestnuts covered in mud or wet paint or to crack them yeah. open because the way that I'm going to have to store them back at the end 
if you've got muddy stuff, it goes like, oh, God. Yeah. So then you were talking about the blankets and cushions. And quite often our groups will see blankets and cushions hung up on essentially a washing line in the kitchen because we're going, yeah, someone else left it out in the rain or it's on the thing. But they know that with those resources, there is an option to, to have them like cleaned and processed before they go mm. back to being reset. And that's often one of the things that I think in terms of that whole loose parts, open-ended, free choice, reset, you know, whose job is it to tidy? Well, it yeah. depends what your expectations are around tidy. If your expectations are that those wood cookies are going to come back perfectly clean because the way you're going to expect them is in a nice wicker basket to be placed next to the fire pit and on those things, you're going to get very different. So I'm trying not, to, I'm not trying to put not judgments on the different mm. things because I'm val- mm. there are valid reasons for doing these things, but you will get very different types of play versus like, here's an old military kit bag where all the ropes come out of, you know, at the end of the session, we'll you'll bung them back in the military kit bag type thing. Do you know what I mean? Mm. That, yeah, I do. That presentation of things going in and out. Yeah. I think. Sorry, I'm getting a bit distracted by my cat. He's trying cat, to walk all over the keyboard. I've got cat problems. Um, yes. And yeah, we didn't really, I didn't really answer your question earlier about like tidying up. Um, and yeah, whose who's job it is. I think you're absolutely right that if somebody knows they are going to have to tidy something up, then they're less likely to engage in it in a. In an honest can I spread this out slightly further then? Um, yeah. Because we all live, most of us live in shared accommodation with partners and or children. Um, do you think that, oh, there's a cat. Um, do, do you think that, you know that example of like, the things go in the nice wicker basket and they look nice and they've done the thing. Yeah. Do you think there's also something that is like a, a genuine life skill of like knowing how people you live with expect things to be tidied away and how that affects like in our house I might take the blender as an example because the blender is a bloody nightmare to clean but I know that depending on which of us is about to use the kitchen or something one of us might be okay with it being full of water and being left to soak and some of us are like well that needs to be upside down on the draining board so that it gets all cleaned out and some people will be like, well, no, if it's not dried with a tea towel and put back in the thing, in the in the cupboard, then you haven't finished tidying yet. And that loose parts exist in the adult world. Loose parts are cushions on your sofa that you have rearranged for your little comfy wallow while you binge on the TV. But maybe you don't move them back or, you know, how the cutlery goes away or like, those kind of, and again, like you're saying, the vibes of how you give those things over, like, is it all right if I use your, I don't know, hmm. iPad stand for a minute? The vibe with which you give over those things is not just hmm. a toddler group play space, you know, hmm. thing consideration. It's a thing that carries on into your yeah. adult relationships. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I think it's really healthy to have spaces where you have to be like considerate of things and like where they live, how they're treated, how clean they are, all that schmizzle, and spaces where that is less important. I think it's so important and to be able to have access to spaces where you can move stuff around, you can leave it here, you can get it dirty, you can lick it. No one's going like to tell you off or be disappointed in your actions, especially those of us who are neurodivergent who might really struggle with the executive function demands of the first thing I just described. So things being looked after, things being the place that you expect them to be, things not being forgotten or left out in the rain or what, you know. So yeah. if you are a person... <laughs> Uh, who quite frequently is made to feel shame or just self-induced shame through one's own neglect of items um that you can hang out somewhere where that shit is less important is a joy it's a flipping joy (laughs) 
<laughs> if okay. you can if you can trade a work environment for example like going into a work environment oh yeah let well, me try and imagine for a second hang on if you can hang on <laughs> i'm wire. i've got it i think i can imagine <laughs> yeah if you could oh, my dog is barking because i'm like, if if you can trade a work environment from um sorry who last had the stapler you know the big stapler for displays who yeah. who last had that yeah no definitely not no definitely not me definitely are, are you sure you de- and who um has anyone you know my um my code card for the photocopier like where, where is that now you know mm. and you know like the year 10 books like where 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 are they <laughs> You can swap away a working around from that to Jenna, there's some sticks over there. <laughs> there's a it's a pile of um pens just in that box, maybe. Yeah. Lids, maybe. Don't know. Um, yeah, well to just this, yeah. This is any time we have something happening like level threes or like people coming to visit the woods and we have to tidy the cabin. I think mm. at least ten or fifteen times we go, Ah oh, this I was looking for this. <laughs> Do you, remember there it I, is. do you remember I asked you where it was? And then the other one of us can go, oh, yeah, I was talking to that person and they asked me for string. And so I put that yeah. down there under that yeah. for a minute. And that was in March. So. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, and that also the learning and the ability that if you want something that you have about your person that is really useful and you want it back, you've got to either put it on literally a cord that attaches to your belt. Uh, <laughs> oh, let's just get, oh, this is just from like grievances now. You write like a, not I, just your name, not just your name on the I, I, item, but a bright yellow kind of flippy floppity label that's like bigger than the actual thing. Back. You see, don't give my stuff back. And so I yes, know. I have my lighter that's on a why, string. That's why you have to do it. Do you remember the sharpies though? The sharpies. Yeah. You even gave me my own sharpies with the flippy flappy yeah. labels on them. It worked great, didn't it? You've never borrowed a sharpie no. from me since. Not once. Not ever. But the sharpies, my sharpies with the flippy flappy labels are not in my pocket there at home. They're not available for my use. Oh. Loose parts pens. Even, loo- even mean, looser you, pens. You opened this can of worms by say, by talking about your blender. That sounded like a very personal little, uh, I, you know, I was like, yeah. okay, who who is it? It's, Ju- it's Juniper, right? It's your four-year-old going, if it's not dried up with the tea towel and put away, then... No, it's just whichever of us is in the tidying jag. You know when the time... And that happens at work as well. One person gets in a tidying jag, possibly mid-session, and just goes, I need to put all of this away now. Yes. (laughs) But they're playing. You can't do the thing. I'm so sorry. (laughs) It's gone into overwhelm. It's gone into overwhelm. No, too much mess. Yeah, too much mess. Okay. Yeah. Lovely. Lucy for Lucy. Yeah. Right. Bye. Bye.